Welcome again, Lakeshore. We're so glad that you are here with us today. Those of you that are joining us in Smyrna, we're glad you're with us. And everybody joining us online as well, we're glad that you're joining us today that way. We are in a series called I Love My Church. And we started out this series talking about reasons why we love this church. And there are so many good reasons to love this church. You are all part of why I love this church. These children that sang today, that's part of why I love this church. So many good things about what God is doing here. But over the next several weeks, we talked about how you express that love that you have for the church. We talked about how we love in community, being connected and involved with each other. We talked about how we love through serving. And we talked about how you love through giving to support the work and the ministry of the church. And today we're going to talk about one more. It is how we love the church through sharing. Loving the church, if we love it the way we're supposed to, it should overflow from us and impact our community in a big way. It should be making a huge difference in the communities where we live and work and play and assemble for our services. We ought to be really impacting the community because we love this church so much. How many of you have a favorite restaurant? Raise your hand. Favorite restaurant you go to. All right. If you've got a favorite restaurant, there are probably a couple of things that make it your favorite. Uh, the food, right? That's the, that's the main thing. You love the food. Sarai loves it really, really spicy. When she brings food here to the church for the office, I can never eat it. She'll say, Pastor Andy, this is not too spicy. And I'll take one bite. Woo! You know, everybody's got their preference, right? But usually a restaurant is not just the food. It's also the environment that you go to. Where it's located, the building that it's in, the people that work there and serve there. I mean, a, a restaurant can have great food, but if, if the service stinks, you don't really want to go back there, do you? I can think of some restaurants that get part of that right all the time. How many of you know about these theme restaurants, right? We, we've got some here in Nashville. One of them is uh, the aquarium out at Opry Mills. You go in there with fish tanks all around you, fish swimming around. Uh, they got another one out there, Rainforest Cafe, right? It's a chain. And you, you, they want you to feel like for your kids, they're in the rainforest and all the animals are there. Now, those are really cool themes, but if they didn't have good food for the money that you're paying to be there for that environment, then you wouldn't think it's such a great restaurant, would you? Well, I want you to apply that to how you love the church and allow it to overflow into, into the community. Uh, Sue Ann introduced me to a new restaurant this past week. Uh, in fact, it's not a restaurant, really. It's a restaurant within a store. Uh, some of you may have been there already. The new restoration hardware at Green Hills. It's three stories high. And, and you go check in at the cafe they've got. And, and they don't want you to be seated right away. Uh, they've got a plan. They say, oh, it'll be about 20 minutes. But we'll text you when your table's ready. You could go to the bar and get something to drink. And roam around the store. 
while you're waiting. And look at all the nice stuff that we've got. They know what they're doing, right? They've created this atmosphere where you walk around, you see this great stuff, and, and when they tell you your table's ready, you're almost disappointed. <laughs> I, I was just getting started. I was just, we haven't been to the third floor yet. You know? So they know what they're doing. Well, I want to apply that to I love my church. Jesus, we've learned this over the last few weeks, he's given us lives where he, he's crashed the fences, right? He broke down all the fences between us and God between us and other people. Uh, he wants us to cross those lines and, and reach out to everybody with the good news of the gospel. But if we're going to do that effectively, if we're going to be able to do it in a way that really impacts the community, then we've got to have both of these elements. We need to be able to feed them good food when they come. But boy, the environment's going to make a huge difference too. The environment that we're trying to use to attract them to come eat the good food. Now, the Bible talks about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, as good food, as nourishment, as something everybody needs to have to quench their thirst and their hunger. Well, we, we talked about the first week. One of the things we love about this church is the gospel is going to be preached here. You're going to hear the good news of Jesus Christ when you come here. So, so I think we've got part of the formula here, right? We've got the good news. It's, it's the best news in the world. Remember when the angels spoke to the shepherds the night that Jesus was born? They said, I bring you good news of great joy. And who's it for? The people that are here at church today? Yes. But is that all? No, he said, good news for all people. And so we've got to find a way to combine the fact that we've got part of the formula, we've got the good news, with creating the environment that people would be attracted to coming to be fed the good news of Jesus Christ. And part of that environment happens here on Sunday mornings when people come in, are they greeted, are they welcomed? One of the things people said that they love about this church is how, how welcome they were made to feel when they came. I'm sure not every single person has had that experience, but overall, most people have said, I felt welcome there. I, they went out of their way to make me feel welcome. We need to keep doing better at that and better at that. And, and we need to help them take those next steps, don't we? That's part of the environment. They feel welcome. We want them to get connected. We want to get them into small groups and Bible studies and, and different ongoing activities to become part of the family. But if we're going to impact our community, we can't keep that environment in here, in the building. You see, we need to be taking that kind of environment outside the building, where we live and where we work and where we play. We need to be taking not only the good news, but that kind of environment of what it's like to be part of the community that we call the church. Oh, overall, in our culture today, the church of Jesus Christ doesn't have a good reputation. 
Not a very good reputation at all. And, and in order to overcome that, we've got to let people see Christians being the people that God has called us to be. Because I'm convinced when we start living like we're supposed to live outside this building, it is attractive to people who are looking for something in their lives, something better, something more meaningful, something that will bless them. The only way they're going to find that is if we take it out there to them and then hopefully bring them back into here with us. Jesus talked about that in Matthew 5. If you want to open up your Bibles there, pull it up on your smartphone or tablet. We'll put it up on the screen too. Matthew 5, beginning with verse 13. Here's what he said. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, he says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Here's the amazing thing about God and the church. This, this is amazing how God puts his trust in us. You remember back in creation, God trusted us to take care of his creation. He put us in the Garden of Eden to manage it and care for it. Now, that was amazing. But you know what's more amazing? God has entrusted the church with caring for the reputation of the church. We're responsible for what people outside the church think of the church. When I say the church, I'm talking about us. So how, where we live, where we work, where we play, we're supposed to be the church in those places. And we're supposed to be attracting people to Jesus because it's Jesus in us that changes us and makes us who we are. It causes us to speak like we speak. He causes us to act like we act. Interact with others the way we interact with others. Jesus in us should be controlling all of those things. And if he's controlling all those things, then we're taking the environment that God wants us to have in the church out there to the people in the community so that they would be attracted and they'd want to come eat here. They want to come be nourished here, be fed here at his church. God wants us, he's trusting us to create the kingdom experience outside the church building. So he says, you're the salt of the earth. We've talked about that before here at Lakeshore. Salt really had two purposes then. One of them is the same way we use it today. Flavor food, right? It was to add flavor, seasoning to food. Um, if you ever had food that was bland, what's well, one of the first things you do? You put salt on it. You know what most people feel out there in the world? They feel like their lives are bland. They need some salt. And who's supposed to be the salt? Us. 
We are. And salt was not just used to season food. It was also used to preserve food. The most valuable thing that they had was was food that they raised, and they couldn't keep it for long periods of time. But one way they extended the life of it and kept it from spoiling was by putting salt on it, covering it in salt. And so we are supposed to be the salt of the earth, adding flavor, seasoning, and that preserving work that God wants us to be doing. He says, you're the salt of the earth. What a great metaphor. Uh, He didn't say, only those of you that make a lot of money are supposed to be the salt of the earth. He didn't say, only all of you who don't have a horse voice today (laughs) should be the salt of the earth. He didn't say, only those of you who have a Bible college education should be the salt of the earth, did he? He was talking to all of his followers. And he said, all of you are supposed to be the salt of the earth. We're supposed to be making life better. Helping people who are around us know that life can be better. And what makes it better is Jesus. But if they don't see that we have something better, why do they want to come eat here? Why in the world would they think this is a good place to come and be nourished if they don't see us representing something better than what they already have? And then he says, you're the light of the world. (laughs) In that culture, light was a difficult thing. It wasn't easy to have. We're spoiled today. We can flip a switch. We don't even have to flip a switch. We can clap on, clap off. Yeah. We can say, Alexa, turn on the lights. But they had wicker oil lamps in most of their homes, which means you had to keep a supply of oil. You had to keep wicks for the lamp. You had to add the oil, put in new wicks, trim the wicks, light the wicks. But those lamps didn't put out a lot of light. And the only way for them to really work well in a house without many windows was to put them up on a stand in the house. And then they could give light to more of the area that they were trying to light. So he says, I want you to be that light. I want you to be doing that good stuff, living that good life that I've called you to live. Because that way you can give more light to your community where you live. And they'll be attracted to it. And maybe they'll want to come eat here because they've seen the tasted the salt and they've seen the light in our lives so here's the thing God has called us to be salt and be light saying I love my church is not just about us if you say I love my church it's about everyone outside these walls too it's not just about us finding what we wanted for us It's about us understanding that what we found, everybody needs to find too. And so it should be a natural part of our lives to share that with other people. So I want to talk about a few things we can do to be salt and to be light. The first one is we need to live the values of the kingdom. We need to live it. 
You see, the salt and light passage is part of a whole sermon Jesus was preaching. And sometimes we pull that out all by itself. And we forget about the fact that it's attached to some other things he already said in this sermon. So let's back up a little bit in the sermon. It's recorded in Matthew 5. Let's pick up with verse 2. Jesus is speaking and he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. (laughs) Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who who came before you. He's describing a kind of people. He's describing his kingdom people in the blessed, the Beatitudes. He's saying, I want you to be those people because if you're those people, then you will be equipped to be salt and light in the world. So we need to look at that list and we need to examine ourselves at work, at play, In the marketplace, in the schools, is that who we are? You see, we're supposed to be salt in those places. We're supposed to be light in those places. So so do people know us as people who are peacemakers at work? Who are pure in heart? Trustworthy, dependable, honest? Do people see us and know us to be willing to suffer even ridicule for our faith if that's what it takes? Do people see us mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice in all those places we go every day? That's being salt and being light. And Jesus wants us to take the environment of the church into the dark places and the bland places, the places that need it the most. He wants us to be that influence, that impact, have that impact in those places. Because most of those people aren't going to experience the community of Jesus here in this building. They're not going to come here until they've experienced the community of Jesus outside of this building. They have to experience it out there first before they want to come here to be fed. So let's think about when we go out of this building today. When we go shopping, boy, there's the test. Are you going to be salt and light while you're shopping? Even at this last minute rush that's going to be out there, even in the traffic and the lines? Oh, we're going to be soft and light then. You see, those are the people that need to experience the Jesus community that we're supposed to be taking to them. 
out there in those places. That's where it gets tough, isn't it? They actually have to do it out there. I have people tell me all the time, <coughs> Pastor Andy, I want to join the church, but I don't want to get up in front of everybody. That's just so hard. And I always tell them, if you can't get up here in front of people, most of whom love Jesus, most of whom are cheering for you, most of whom want nothing more than for you to know Jesus and be part of his church. If you can't get up for Jesus here, you're never going to be able to do it out there. Ever. But where do we need salt and light the most? Out there. Not in here. We've got it in here. In fact, we got a bunch of it in here. And there's a danger sometimes. And that's why I want to talk about the second one on the outline today. And that is we need to leave out, live out the values of the Jesus community outside the building. We also need to live it in the ordinary things. In the ordinary, everyday things of life. As I was preparing this message and thinking about salt, I looked up a news report. There was a guy who OD'd on salt. You know how he did it? His friends dared him to drink a whole bottle of soy sauce. And he gulped it all down at one time. And he blacked out and went into convulsions. He almost died as a result. He was one of very few people who went through something like that without having permanent damage. He fully recovered. I want you to know that. But, but he, he could have been killed or he could have suffered long-term consequences in a negative way from doing that. You see, too much salt can be a bad thing. So here's my question for you. Are we seasoning and shining or are we blinding and gagging? There's a big difference in those two things. Seasoning and shining is different than blinding and gagging. Let me give you an example of what blinding and gagging looks like. I want you to see this picture. We'll put it up on the screen. You got it? All right, there it is. These are supposed to be our brothers and sisters from another church. Westboro Baptist Church in Topeka, Kansas. They showed up at a funeral like this. Uh, they blurred out some of the worst stuff that they had on about homosexuals and soldiers. Now, friends, I've seen people out in crowds wearing signs like this and holding signs like this. And let me tell you something. I don't know a single person that's been led to Jesus by that. Not one. I don't know a single person who saw that and said, wow, I want what they've got. <laughs> Not one. That's blinding. That's gagging. That's pouring on too much salt in a very unchristian way. See, God didn't call us to do that. In fact, God encourages us in his word to make the faith attractive to those who are outside the faith. That doesn't look very attractive, does it? 
There could even be some truth in what they're saying. I mean, God does hate divorce. The scripture says that. No doubt about that. But if you don't put that in any context at all of God's love, and you just hold a sign like that, then every divorced person walking by thinks God hates them. It's blinding and it's gagging. And I think it's a very poor representation of the Jesus community when churches do that kind of thing. Now, it doesn't have to be at a funeral holding posters. Just so you know, I'm on Facebook too. And Instagram. And Twitter. And I happen to come across a lot of your posts. Because we're friends on Facebook. Or you follow me on Instagram. And you can do that on social media too. We can be blinding and gagging. On any side of any issue, by the way. We can be blinding and gagging. No matter what stand you take on which side you are. And God has called us to be adding flavor and seasoning and showing people the way, not turning them away. Now, I know some people, no matter what you say or how you say it, they're not going to listen. Some people, no matter what you say or how you say it, they're going to be offended by it, even when you do it out of love. God doesn't instruct us to control the other people. He instructs us to control us and to speak the truth in love. In love. And I have found this to be true in my life and in everybody's life I interact with. It's a little easier to say the hard things to people when they know they love you and you love them. You know they love you, they trust you, and they know you love them and you want only what's best for them, then it becomes a little easier to talk about those hard things that you sometimes have to talk about. The correction that needs to take place. The redirection of life that needs to occur. It's received a lot better when it's done in love, isn't it? You receive it better in love, don't you? I just called you out on Facebook and you, you received it. Because you know I love you. I do love you. And I want what's only best for you because God only wants what's best for you. So let's do a little better job of taking this environment. I love the instructions that God gave to Israel when they were going into the land of promise to settle there. And he gave them instructions on how they needed to teach his laws. Here's what he said in Deuteronomy 6, beginning with verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land you're crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, be careful to obey 
so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And here, here's what he says. Now, here's what you do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. So where does everything we do need to start? Loving God. With loving God. With everything in us. We need to love God. And then if we love God, here's what he says we need to do. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your, where? Hearts. Did he say protest signs? Where did he say to put them? On our hearts. Listen to what he goes on to say here, okay? Impress them on your children. That word impress doesn't mean beat them over the head with it. It means to apply them to your children. Teach them. By word and by example. Listen to what he goes on to say, okay? Talk about them when you sit at home. When you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. You know what he's saying there, basically? Just make it a part of your ordinary, everyday life. As you go about living life, be living out those things, setting the example in those areas, talking about them with people around you in a good way. Just make it part of who you are. At work, at play, in your house and in other people's houses. Make this who you are. Be consistent with this. No matter where you are or who you're with or what's going on around you. Be consistently the person that God has called you to be. Now, is any of us going to be perfect at this? No, absolutely not. That's why we all depend on the grace of God, right? The forgiveness of God. But to, but to use the excuse, well, I'm only human, is a lame excuse. Because we're not just only human when we come to know Christ. God gives us his spirit to indwell us and empower us and change us. To transform us into his image. We're not just only human anymore. We've got to stop making that excuse. And start walking in the spirit instead of in the flesh in our everyday lives. We can be changed. That's what Jesus came here to do. He didn't come here to save us and leave us like we were when he found us. He came here to transform us. To become like him. This past <clears throat> couple of weeks ago, I had a friend from high school call me up. And he said, uh, I'm in town in Nashville. I'd love to get with you. We went to high school together and... We got together for lunch downtown, and we were reminiscing, you know, like you do back in the day. We talked about we played football together back in the day, you know, how good we were. <laughs> I'm 5'5", five, five, weighed 150 at the max. Don't weigh that much anymore, but I weighed that much in high school, and yeah, we were good, but we weren't that good, right? But it gets better every time we talk about it. Our memories are different now, you know, how much better we are now than we were then. But we talked about a guy that we both grew up working for and playing sports with the recreation department in a little town we grew up in. I've talked about him before. His name was Beefy Eves. 
And we got to talking about how Beefy influenced so many young men in that little town just by being the recreation department director there. But he didn't just do that. He, he took us on trips with our ball teams. He, he taught us how to do things at work that we wouldn't have ever done had it not been for working for Beefy. That's why I can unclog a toilet today. <laughs> Looking back on it, I know Beefy hated to unclog toilets, so he made us do it. But we learned stuff we wouldn't have learned any other way. You know what else he taught us? Treat people the way you want to be treated. He built a camp called Camp Harmony. You know what the slogan was? Where God and good times are friends. That was the theme for the camp. You know what he taught us about God? He's good. He gives us the good stuff. Right? Every good thing we have, where did it come from? You know what Beefy never did? He never preached to us. He never, ever got on to us about going to church. He just, in the ordinary every day, lived out the kingdom principles that we're supposed to all be living out. When Beefy died, I was invited to come speak at his funeral back in my hometown years ago now. And when I got together there with people, I got there early, and they said, well, you're one of 13 that are going to speak. I thought, we'll be here forever. <laughs> I had prepared the whole message thinking, you know, it's going to be me. He said, no, 13 of you boys that grew up working for Beefy are now pastors. You know why? He lived it out in the ordinary. Every day at work and at play. Around us, he talked about it. But he didn't cram it down our throats or beat us over the head with it. He also taught us some other things that I can't share with you. But. <laughs> but he didn't carry protest signs and he didn't, he didn't try to act angry if somebody wasn't doing what they were supposed to do. Oh yeah, he would get upset, but he would teach you how to do it better and how not to make the same mistake again. See, people will experience the Jesus community when we live out the Jesus principles in ordinary, everyday life. That's the only Jesus they know is you living it out in front of them. Which leads me to the last thing. And that is we need to live the values of the kingdom with a purpose to point others to Jesus. Here's the thing. Those who've truly experienced Jesus should want more than anything else to help others experience Jesus too. That should be the driving force of our lives. That we want other people to have what we have. To know what we know. To experience what we experience because we know Jesus. You're a light of the world. You don't, you don't hide a light under a basket. You put it up on a stand so it can give light to everybody around it. He wants us to do those good things that he's called us to do so that we can impact the others around us. I hope that if we've learned anything over the past few weeks, we've learned that loving the church isn't about the building, it isn't about the programs, it's about relationships. It starts with the primary relationship with God, but it's also our relationship with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. 
but it's also about our relationship with those who aren't here yet. The very first week, we looked at John 13, verse 35. It said this, By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. If you do what? Love one another. If you love one another, that's how people will know you are disciples of Jesus. You belong to the community of the Jesus community. You're part of that. How are they going to know that? By the way that you love. That's how people are going to know that. And that'll create hunger. And that'll create thirst. And that's where you get to be the salt. And you get to be the light that God wants you to be. Now here's what I want you to know. Church services, small group Bible studies, the rest of the programs we have here at church, they're important. And we shouldn't be disconnected from those things. But the main purpose of those things is to help us become soft and light so that we can go out there and be who we're supposed to be in the average ordinary stuff we do every day. It's equipping us. It's training us to go out and do the work that God called us to do and prepared in advance for us to do so that people could come to know Jesus. But if we're never interacting with people outside the church, then how are we going to be salt? How are we going to be light? You say, well, believe me, if you came to see my workplace, I'm interacting with people who aren't part of Jesus' church, right? A lot, how many of you work in a place where you just, you just have the feeling it's mostly a non-Christian environment? Raise your hand. Yeah, a lot of you, okay? A lot of you do. I think that's probably true. I think it's more true today than it's ever been in our lifetime. That we're going to be out there working and playing and living in areas that we don't have the influence of Christ very much in those places. Where do we most need the salt? Where do we most need the light? In those exact places. That's exactly where God wants us to be. Interacting with those people but interacting in a good way. I want to close with this. Listen to me. If in those environments, they hear words coming out of our mouths that shouldn't be coming out. If in those environments, we join in the gossip that they're participating in. If in those environments, we steal a few things from the office because everybody else does too. Pens, paper, you know, those things, whatever. If in those environments we fudge the timesheet a little bit so we could get a little more pay. If in those environments somebody confided in you a secret and you've told it to somebody else. If in those environments we're not being Jesus, then we lose our saltiness. And our lights go out. And we can never impact the world around us the way God wants us to. But if in those environments we can be strong enough to be salt and to be light. Let me give you some examples. Here's some steps you can all take. If you like sports, join a sports team. Some of you guys like to play softball, get on a men's softball team. But be salt and light on that team. Uh, you like bowling? 
We got groups here to go bowling in a bowling league. Even bowling, what can you be? Salt and light, especially when you get that split you can't make, right? You can still be salt and light. Join a book club and be salt and light there. Join the Chamber of Commerce if you're in business. And go to the meetings and be salt and light in those meetings. Now, now we've got a Christian Chamber of Commerce. And I don't think that's an evil thing. I think that misses the point altogether. We don't need salt and light to stay clustered together. We need salt and light out there where, where we don't have it yet. Join the secular chamber of commerce, if you want to call it that, and be salt and light in that place. Let's stop hiding away. You know, community that's having some struggles, I want to challenge you. Hear me out. Don't just up and move away without trying to change your community. Got to sell our house. Got to get out of this community. Where do we need salt and light? In that community. So we keep running away from the dark places, the bland places, when God has called us to be salt and light in those very places. But you can't be salt and light. You can't help others love the church unless you first love the church yourself. Let's pray. Father, Father, we know that you've called us to be salt and light, and we know we've failed a lot of times. And so right now, we repent before you, and we ask for forgiveness. And we know you've promised you'll give it to us. That's how gracious you are. That's how loving you are. But help us not to abuse that grace by going right back out there and continuing to do the same things over and over again. Help us to be more of the salt and the light that you want us to be. Help us to be the community, not just in this building, the community of Jesus, but let's be the community of Jesus outside this building too. Father, help us do that. Help us to, to let others know we love the church by the way we talk about it outside the building and the way we act outside the building, the way we love outside the building. Help them see the church in the dark places and the bland places because you put us there to be that salt and to be that light. And Father, if there's somebody here today that, that has not taken that step to, to give themselves and love to you and to your church, I pray that today would be that day that they take that step.